everybody and welcome in to the weekly sports talk podcast with Josh Pose. I am Nick Palazzolo. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Nick Palazzolo5 and at Pose underscore Josh. We have a lot to talk about today on the podcast. We will recap the last dance. We'll give you our thoughts and we will tell you uh, who's to blame for breaking up the Bulls dynasty. Is it Jerry Krause or Jerry Reinsdorf? Baseball's coming back. It's only a matter of time. But what's the holdup? Is it still the money? And players have some concerns about the restrictions. We'll talk about that. The NFL plans to start opening back up slowly to let some player, some people into the facility. We'll tell you who's in and who cannot go back to work in the NFL. The NBA has a plan to play the rest of the season at Disney World. We'll talk about that. And David Kaplan of ESPN 1000 and NBC Sports Chicago will join us to give his thoughts on the last dance. We'll talk about the Bears offseason and if base, if he thinks baseball is coming back. All that and more coming up next here on the Weekly Sports Talk Podcast. Josh, first of all, before we get started, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, Nick. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, It's Memorial Day weekend. Usually that is a prime time for baseball to hit the the dog days of summer. Uh, But there is no baseball, so we will just try to have to manage a Memorial Day without baseball. So let's get started with the last dance. Episodes 9 and 10 aired last this past Sunday. Uh, So, Josh, what was your thoughts over the whole documentary? What were some things you liked, some things you didn't like, and stuff like that? I liked how they told the story, mostly of Jordan, but they went to other other players' story. Like, in I think it was episode nine where they went to Steve Kerr and his background with his dad and his family. I like how they went to other people's backgrounds. What I didn't like was going from 1998 to 1984 to 19 back to 1998 to 87 to 93. It was it was way too confusing, even though they showed us when. But it was just so I thought we were just in 98. Now we're in 87. Yeah, well, well, the part of me like I know some people have that same concern. They didn't like the jumping around going from 94 to 97 back to 92, back to 98. They didn't like all that jumping around, but I personally liked it because I was listening to an interview the director of The Last Dance, Jason Hare, did, and he was like, yeah, you can tell a story about just the 98 dance, but you'd be doing a poor job as a storyteller if you didn't tell the whole story, and that's basically what they did. Like you said, they told Steve Kerr's background. Um, Scotty Pippen and his con and they told the story about the 1.8 and him having uh, his back surgery during the season because he wanted to have his summer the adventures of Dennis Rodman going to Vegas um, and stuff like that so it kind of they brought they brought it all to one spot and I kind of liked how they were jumping around and giving everyone uh, most players on that team story yeah it's just I was just getting confused. Like if you if you take your take your eyes off it for one second, all of a sudden you're in a different decade. Yeah, just a little bit confusing. But I did like how 
the how they told the story about Phil Jackson at the end of the 98 season. Yeah, because uh, so for those who don't know what Josh is talking about, uh, Phil Jackson, the reason it's called the last dance is because Jerry Krause told Phil Jackson before the 1998 season, he was like, uh, Phil is coming back on a one year deal and it'll be the last contract he'll ever get from the Chicago Bulls. And everyone's like, wait, what? So Phil basically is like, all right, this is our last dance. Let's go out and prove everyone wrong that we can do this again. So Phil goes out. They have like this last dance mentality, leaving everything out on the floor. And after the season, Phil's like, all right, I'm going to go do what I want to do. I think he moved out to Montana. I know Phil had some marital issues because he was away from his family for so long. But, you know, if Jerry Krause doesn't say um, say this is going to be Phil's last year, I mean, do they bring it back in 99? So I think that's a great segue. Who's more to blame, Jerry Krause or Jerry Reinsdorf? Because if you take a look from for Jerry Krause, Jerry Krause says, we're signing Phil, Phil to a one-year deal. This is going to be his last contract as a Chicago Bull. There's going to be no backstabbing yet. The uh, Krause and Phil Jackson relationship was on very, very thin ice uh, bef- prior to the 98 season. So, and I mean, and Michael Jordan said it in the documentary. He's like, yeah, Phil's gone. I'm gone. Done. done. You know, it's if you uh, let Phil go, I'm, I'm going to retire again. Um, so you got that. Or you have a guy like Jerry Reinsdorf, who they mentioned um, in the documentary. Jason Hare gave um, Michael Jordan that famous iPad. And Jerry Ryan's because Michael has never heard a justified reasoning for why the team was broken up. And Jerry Reinsdorf frankly said, he was like, you know, we could have done it. We could have paid them, but we'd be overpaying them. Because if you take a market, everyone's getting older. Pippen had his back issues. Jordan was getting older. Um, Steve Kerr, he was going to hit the market. You know, so they'd be overplay, overpaying the market to keep those guys. And that's one thing um, Jerry Reinsdorf didn't want to do. So, Josh, I ask you, who's more to blame for breaking up the 98 Bulls? Is it Jerry Krause or Jerry Reinsdorf? To me, it's Jerry Krause because he decided to run his mouth before the season started. He didn't wait. It'd be It's one thing to say this is the team's last – or the coaches last year together uh, at the beginning of the season and the end of the season. Because at the beginning of the season, then you raise tensions. Then you have this. And then at the end of the year, Jerry Krause goes out and asks Phil Jackson, oh, do you want to stay another year? Well, you already told him he was done. Why are you going to change your mind now? So I think it's Jerry Krause. I, 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 I can see that Jerry Reinsdorf probably persuaded Krause to do this, but to the public, it's Jerry Krause. Right, and, and I think – I'm, I'm going to go against you here. I, I think it's Jerry Reinsdorf. I, I know some people say, oh, but Krause is the bad guy. Right. Uh, if you want, go to NBC Sports Chicago. Casey Johnson, who's the Bulls beat reporter, he got access to Jerry Krause's unpublished memoir before he passed away, and uh, 
the Krauss family family was letting Casey Johnson release excerpts from that memoir. And Jerry Krauss said, um, he said that in July of 98, they had a meeting with all of their trainers and stuff like that. And they were like, you know, they went up and down each player on the roster. All right, what do we think of Pippen? Pippen, oh, he's got that back. I don't know if it's worth giving him money. All right, next. They go to Jordan. Jordan was mentally and physically drained from going to three finals again. And you saw that in 94 after the first three-peat. You saw him come – you saw him need like needing a break, right? So you, ne- you see him needing a break. So, you know – Jordan's getting older. I, I don't know exactly how old Jordan was after 98, going into 99. But 99 was the lockout season. So had the NBA came back, uh, or had the Bulls, rather, come back during the lockout, you know, they only played like a 50-something game schedule. That might have benefited the Bulls um if they were to come back and take all if they were to all take one year deals because you know you could play 50 um play your 50 or 55 games or however many it is but um you know it's a lot less strenuous than the 82 game season and then you give your body more time to heal and Jerry Reinsdorf I feel like he's he's always been a very loyal owner right so you have the best player in basketball, Michael Jordan, and you're letting your general manager dictate if the greatest basketball player of all time stays or goes. And Jerry Reinsdorf let that happen under his watch, and his reasoning was he didn't want to pay them. So I think, I th- I yes. think it's Jerry Reinsdorf's fault. Like, sure, Krauss gets portrayed as the bad guy, but Krauss was just doing it as he saw, you know? Like I said, in in 98, he had a meeting with all the trainers, Jerry and Phil, and Phil didn't want to come back to a rebuilding team. Let let me make that clear. The Bulls in 99 and post-Jordan, they were terrible. I think they won 13 games the following year after 98. Uh, Who was it? Phil Jackson did not want to come back to a rebuilding team he wanted a contender and that's where it was because jerry jerry called him up at the day of the parade in 98 he was like you know we want to have you back he's like and and phil's like yeah i don't want to come back for a rebuild no yeah and and going off of reinsdorf he's also known to be very 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 cheap right just like if you go with the white Sox, he he didn't go Yes, it was it was a good move in the long run for the White Sox, but didn't even go after really Bryce Harper with the money from the money standpoint. Right. And Bryce Harper in an interview said that he wanted it would have been nice to play for Chicago, like the blue collar, always have a uh, chip on their shoulder. But it just Kraus does not give you money, right? You and I mean, uh, taking uh, oh, you mean Ryan Storff, not Kraus. Um, Ryan Starr, sorry. Going back to that, even with Machado, I think they offered him eight for two fifty, or they offered him. I don't know what the years was, but they offered him. It was a yeah, potential two fifty. They didn't no, give it was two fifty. But then they had a bunch of incentive based um, performances or bonuses 
that could elevate it up to 300 or 330 million. But mat- that's that's what the White Sox offered. But then the Padres offered him, we'll give you the guaranteed 300 million right now. And like, you know, if you have the option, would you rather go to Chicago? Uh, you know, crappy weather, have to work your way towards 300 million. Or would you rather have to go to San Diego where it's nice weather? You're getting a guaranteed 300 million. You don't have to work for it or work for the bonuses. And just, you know, what would you pick? Most people pick San Diego. I would pick right. San Diego. So speaking, yeah, it's just so speaking of. But I, I, no, I, I oh, go ahead. So I'm just, just, I'm glad it didn't work out with Machado or Harper because they're off season this year. And I think we talked about it last week. Um, was a, was spending about the same amount of money for their future guys that they would have spent for one of those two, one of those two guys. And I like, I'm glad that they did not get the star player. I'd rather have Moncada, Robert Jimenez. I'd, I'd rather have those guys than one, one guy who's going to get cost you $400 million. Right. And especially in times like this, I know not, back when, uh, Machado and Harper signed. You couldn't have predicted a pandemic. Nobody knew what the coronavirus was back then. But look at those contracts yeah. now. Those look really good for the players. This past offseason, uh, Garrett Cole signed for a record $346 million with the Yankees. He's going to get – because baseball uh, – most contracts in baseball are fully guaranteed. So those deals look really good for the players right now. Yeah, so let's mm-hmm. move on to baseball. So, you know, the owners and the players' union are still going back and forth. So, basically, here here's what's happening. Back in March, the owners and the players agreed to a prorated salary for whatever um, – for however many games you play. So, if the – so, if teams were going to play 80 or 82 games somewhere in that ballpark – you'd get paid about 50%. You'd prorate it for however many games you play, right? But now the owners want to say, oh, we didn't make that agreement. We want a new agreement. After already agreeing to it in March uh, for a prorated agreement, the players are pissed off that the owners want to change the agreement they already agreed to. So that is why why baseball – is may maybe coming back it may not and i know we'll get into this a little bit with david kaplan later when he joins us but you know players have money concerns we mentioned it last week with blake snell you know uh he wants all of his money you know but if you take all of your money you know you're gonna financially cripple the sport you know some yeah jesse rogers of espn he's the cubs beat writer but he did some national work he had an article on ESPN.com that says some MLB players are hoping for loosening of restrictions in, in the health proposal. Basically, players don't like how they would have to show up to the ballpark in their uniform. That's one of the things that was proposed. They want to be able to shower at the ballpark, right? You know, many... Many players shower at the ballpark before and after games. So it's just the whole routine thing. Get ready for the game. Do your stretching, BP, stuff like that. 
they want to be able to do that. But in the uh, owner's latest proposal, they wouldn't be able to. They wouldn't be able to eat sunflower seeds or spit, the two things that are basically um, associated with baseball a lot is spitting and seeds, right? So, And some players are like, what if I get dirt in my mouth? Am, am I allowed to spit then? You know, so it's just like the interpretation. And, you know, some people are a fan of the daily testing that the MLB could consider. They could have up to three tests a week, six tests a week. It all just depends on that. So, Josh, you take a look at the MLB. They got a couple-week timetable before June, right? They need to get something done if they want baseball. Yeah, they're, they're, they're becoming way behind, like way more behind because the players are wanting their full salaries. You have the NBA players just want to come back. NHL, you don't really see much about the NHL right now. Um, I think – the only the only thing you said about showing up in their jerseys, I think that's a stretch from the owners. I, I truly believe that. What what what's the problem with right. changing? I I don't understand. I, I get all the health precautions. It's just changing doesn't like give you coronavirus, does it? I don't it? know. Well, here's my thing with like the whole showering. You want people to social distance and wear masks and gloves and all that stuff. But doesn't like if you already have it, uh, COVID nineteen in your system. All right, you, none you could do about that. But if you don't have it, wouldn't like showering be like one of the better things? Like I don't know how showers are set up in big league clubhouses, but like you know, wouldn't wouldn't that help? Like you know, you know, if you I were to feel able... like what they're trying to do is trying to keep the guys that don't have it, if they haven't been in contact with that guy, doubtful. If they haven't been in contact, they go to the shower. He's touching stuff in the shower. You right. go in after him, like 10 minutes after him, and it and it's you get infected since you touch right. the same and it, thing. And it's also an issue where some players about the testing. Do they want a daily test? Do they want testing like six days a week? How is that going to work? And if you do test positive – What's the protocol for that? Are you going to have to not leave the stadium? They're going to put you up in an office and you're just going to have to quarantine there? Are you going to be able to go back home? What's the protocol there? And how do you know? Do you have to, after you test positives, the likely scenario is you'd have to test negative twice after you test positive to be able to get cleared to go back to um Baseball activities. And basically, when baseball comes yeah. back, it's inevitable for someone. Someone's going to test positive, no matter what. Right? So, it, it's, it's going to sure. happen, but it's just a matter of, you know, uh, what's the protocol for a player who does test positive? That's also another hang-up. Yeah, that is just, will the league be suspended if – they have to come up with something in the next couple of weeks so baseball could come back. What they're looking uh, for that 5th of July, is right? The plan they want to start like a spring training too. I know today the Rangers have announced that they will have spring training in their own ballpark at uh, their new Globe Life ballpark in Arlington. Um, so they'll be doing that. Teams have the option to have spring training 
um, at their spring training facilities or at their home ballparks. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what teams go where and how that works. Who would play who? Like I, 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 you know, Texas? I, th- I think it'll just be more of uh, pitchers. You, you'll throw uh, – you'll just play each other. Because MLB organ- – you have 90-player yeah. organizations, and then you got more minor leaguers and stuff like that. So you can play games. Like, it's not rocket mm-hmm. science to figure out how to play games. It, it, if that's a problem we come to and the Cubs want to play, have spring training at, at Wrigley – you know, if that's a problem we get to how they're going to play games, you know, that's a great problem to have, right? Because that means baseball's back. We got past yeah. the financial aspect of it, right? So one thing mm-hmm. I do want to touch on here, it's not on my sheet to get to, but the NHL, the NHL is uh, will be voting on a 24-team uh, playoff format. They wouldn't continue the regular season because they only had a, a handful of games left, I believe. Um, but they would continue with a 24-team uh, playoff, 12, 12 in each conference. Um, so, Josh, what do you think about that? The Blackhawks uh, would be, uh, you know, Blackhawks would be in the playoffs. So is John McDonough getting the call to come back to be the Blackhawks president since the Blackhawks are in the playoffs? Well, two things. The first with the McDonough question, no, I, I, I don't think they could do that. Um, um, and second, uh, I, I thought I saw something how, I think I saw it on Twitter this morning that teams don't want to play, um, best of three series because they're afraid of Patrick Kane. I, I don't blame him. Patrick Kane is really good at hockey. I don't blame him. And he's, he's the best player in the world. And I think if they have 24 teams in a best of three series would be the best thing to do i don't i don't like the idea of a one yeah that one that, that in hockey just... is just kind of it, it's kind of like how baseball does it like they play series of three four five games you know just just in the regular season and hockey and basketball and nfl is like one team move on but like when you get to the playoffs i think three games is fair because if you give one game you know you, you can come out and not be your night and you know you just play like shit you know, because that's always feasible in the world of sports. Yeah, it's just how would they, would they do switch off home games? So if the Hawks were playing Edmonton they'd, and the Hawks were the higher seed, would they play Chicago, Edmonton, Chicago? If yeah, necessary? it just depends. I saw one tweet. I don't know how true it is. But the NHL was trying to localize to restrict travel a little bit. Um, so they would play the West, the Western conference games on the West coast and like a Vegas area, um, around there. And the Eastern conference games in Chicago has been brought up to be a hub for all of the Eastern conference games. So it's just interesting to see, um, how a 24 team playoff, cause that's a good majority of the NHL. So it'll just be interesting to see how that works. So let's move on to the NFL. The NFL uh, has some plans to slowly start opening up back facilities. You know, we we mentioned this a couple weeks ago. They're still uh, rolling out facilities as states are loosening up their restrictions. Um, You know, some scouts and front office members are allowed back into the facilities, but players and members of the coaching staff are not. Josh, what do you think about that? 
I, I I like it. I still think everyone should be from home until they start completely opening. But I also, on the other hand, I do like how they're slowly getting people back in there and going step by step, not just everyone going at once. And everyone, boom, everyone's right. together again. I, I I do like how they're together or they're they're doing right. it really slowly. Um, I did hear that. Um. It, they could be doing training camps like in like different facilities, like 10 guys, one coach, or nine guys, one coach. But that would be really hard, especially for an NFL team when you have 11 on the right, field. Especially with like that? the 90-man rosters they have. Or, yeah, I think it's 90-man. And then you cut down to your 53. How are you going to be able to, you know? I mean, as long I think – I mean, if those guys are around each other enough, I don't think it'll be that big of an issue, right? Um, but as long as there's, like, no outsiders that come once in a while, stuff like that, I think they'll end up being fine. And so the yeah. NBA Sham Sharania of the Athletic and Stadium has been told that there are there have been plans to play the the rest of the NBA season in Disney World in Florida. So, Josh, what do you think about the NBA finishing up in Disney? I like it because it it keeps everyone in one spot and avoids the traveling and the risk of on the plane, the pilot has coronavirus. Um, But Disney Springs is opening up, which draws a lot of people. So that could be potential turning into a hot spot. And does the NBA want to be playing in a Yeah, but I, but I think if you're Adam Silver and the Board of Governors, you're looking at it like, all right, where can we have a bunch of, um, like, hotel rooms and stuff, quarantining people, and enough basketball courts to pl- finish the regular season? And I think Disney is on that short list, and I think, sure, I mean, if you got to close down Disney to families, you know, you know, I, I, you know, when you think about it, once like the the whole U.S. and the whole world starts opening back up to a new sense of normalcy, you know what what families are fleeing to to Disney World, right? Like af, af, especially after all yeah. this, who's gonna be like, all right, let's go to Disney World where there's a bunch of people. Like I think parents are gonna, especially if parents with little kids, are gonna be more cautious of that. So I think this is an opportunity for the NBA to, you know, seize that opportunity of having all the hotels and the amenities and the courts they need to kind of finish off their season. Just one thing is, are you going to have TV networks broadcasting the game or is it just going to be like like a live feed camera? That's a great question in in terms of broadcasting because – I know, I know it's Korea, but ESPN's airing the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization, and like Boog Shambi and Jessica Mendoza and K- and Tim Kirchin, they're all broadcasting from home. They got monitors set up. They're broadcasting from home. From home, there's a little bit of a delay. Is it gonna be? Is broadcasting gonna be like that, or are play or are broadcasters gonna be allowed to go into stadiums, arenas, ballparks, stuff like that? to get their broadcast to do their broadcast from the stadium and bring it to us live. So I think that's a good question and of course, you know, 
I think after all, like, the financial stuff is figured out and the testing's figured out, you know, the media is going to be the last ones to get their answers, like, realistically, because that'll just be how it works. Yeah. So I think it's still some time before we see answers based on that. Yeah, but, like, I'm guessing, I think in Korea they have their broadcasters I at the game, I believe. believe that is right. I'm not sure about that. I think if we can get to that to the this to a stage where we could have two broadcasters, and like in baseball, it, it's not a big deal because they're not right on right right on the field. Same they're with football, they, they could be way. They don't even need to be there. Yeah, football, most sports, basketball. Yeah, but it, get, it gets a, it, it gets so a lot of, like a lot side. harder to see if you're used to being uh, courtside. So that'll yes. be interesting. All right, so coming up next, we will talk with David Kaplan of ESPN 1000 and NBC Sports Chicago. Ask him his thoughts on the last dance, the Bears offseason, and baseball coming back. Caps coming up next here on the Weekly Sports Talk Podcast. We are lucky enough to be joined by David Kaplan. He scouted in the NBA for a short time, but he's been a member of the Chicago media forever. He currently hosts Cap and Company from 9 to noon on ESPN 1000 and Sports Talk Live every weeknight at 6.30 on NBC Sports Chicago. Cap joins us now here on the weekly Sports Talk podcast. Cap, first of all, thank you for taking time for us. How are you and your family? Josh and Nick, I am doing well. We just make sure we wash our hands all the time and socially distance and just keep grinding away. All right, so let's get started with The Last Dance. The Last Dance finished up this weekend, this past weekend with episodes 9 and 10. What were your thoughts over, like, the whole, all of the 10 episodes? What are some things you liked about it? What are some things you didn't like about it? Because I know I talked to a couple people they're like, I didn't like the whole bouncing around from 94 back to 97. They didn't like the jumping around. What did you think about it? Yeah, my wife probably talked to those people because she felt the same way. <laughs> Look, I loved the whole 10 episodes, the whole five weeks. I wish there were you know, 60 more episodes. That said, after talking over the last few weeks with a number of Michael's former teammates people that were on that beat, I I can just tell you that the majority, if not almost all of his teammates, are not happy with how that documentary, or as Horace called it, so-called documentary, portrayed that team and those guys because they felt going into it, oh, this is on the 98 Bulls. Absolutely. I'm in. I'll help. Turned out the only guy that got paid off the documentary, whether he donates the money or not, doesn't matter, was Michael Jordan. And these guys felt this was a documentary about Michael. This was all about what he wanted you to hear, the perception that he wants you to have of him. And I can tell you guys like Pippen, furious. Horace, furious. Uh, Ron Harper said it's come fly with me part two so yeah there's more than a few guys a little ticked off at how this thing was handled so you broke the sports world yesterday with the Horace Grant interview for people that didn't hear or see or read about it tell everyone what happened 
Zoom call with Horace on Monday for a company called betonline.ag. It's an offshore sports book. And they, I know their PR guy, and he reached out to me and said, hey, I've got four former Bulls that are willing to sit down with you on Zoom. They know you. They trust you. Would you do an interview for us? We're going to repackage the material. Okay. Yeah, no problem. So I have Harper, Hodges, Cartwright, and Horace. And a lot of the same stuff was discussed. Some of it, though, they didn't go into as much detail as Horace did yesterday. So after we got done, Horace and I have always had a good relationship. He's been on my TV show. We just, we've always clicked. And I texted him and said, hey, man, that was a lot of fun. Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was great. Any chance you'd come on my radio show on Tuesday? He said, what time? 10 o'clock in the morning. All right, only for you am I going to get up at 8 a.m. West Coast. He's in the West Coast. So he, a man of his word, Danny, my producer, Danny Zetterman, called. He's right there. And I knew he was going to be critical of some stuff. I didn't know he was going to go all scorched earth and just take the flamethrower to Michael. And so he absolutely did. He drilled Michael and felt that the documentary, he called it the so-called documentary because he felt that it was all about what Michael wanted you to hear and that when anyone went back at Michael and it was captured on film, it was edited out. That was the same complaint Cartwright, Hodges, and Harper had. And then Horace called Michael a snitch for talking about his former teammates that were in a hotel room in Peoria, Illinois, in 1985 with cocaine, weed, and girls and felt those guys have lives today. What if they're still married to the same woman they were with then? That stuff happened in the privacy of those te- of that team. Doesn't make it right, but you shouldn't have thrown them under the bus. And uh, he went from there, and it was uh, quite an interview. Yeah, listening to it live, and I found it – like I was kind of surprised – that he started um, coming at Michael for like, well, if you're going to name me in the documentary that I was in, um, I was one of the sources in Jordan Rules. Um, I, 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 I was surprised like he took as many like, uh, I don't know if they were shots, but kind of kind of shots at Michael the way he did. But I but I know, like you said, a lot of Jordan's teammates kind of have the same reaction because it was everyone's trying to see this through Jordan's rose-colored glasses, so to speak. Yeah, like I knew Horace was mad, and I knew he would say something. I just I didn't know he was going to go to the level that he did. Good for us. Good for my radio show. Um, Danny and Chris and I, Danny Zetterman and Chris Black, we were all like when that interview ended, like, whoa, like this is going to get some traction. Now, did I think it was going to get the traction that it ended up getting? Uh, I had a friend who's in Greece, said it's on the news in Greece. Uh, Someone else, Leila Rahimi from NBC Sports Chicago, texted me and said, yeah, it's actually on the news in China. China! (laughs) And TMZ Sports, it was one of their lead stories. ESPN.com got over a million clicks. Million! In one day on that story that Nick Friedel posted with the quotes from Horace. 
and a link to some of the audio. So good for us, good for my station, good for me and Danny and Chris. Uh, those are rare, man. Those are one in a million that are going to happen to you in your broadcasting career. Yeah. Moving on to football and the Bears. What was your favorite and least favorite move the Bears made this offseason so far? Oh, uh, wow. My favorite was Robert Quinn. He's a beast. That guy is a beast. And if you give him the ability to play with a healthy Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Bilal Nichols, Roy Robertson-Harris, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, and oh, don't let me forget the guy on the other edge is named Khalil Mack. That's a really, really amazing signing. So I loved that signing. I was not big on the Jimmy Graham signing. Now, perhaps he's going to be a really good player. I hope he is. I'm a Bears fan. It's a lot more fun when they win. But I just didn't understand the rush to have to sign him day one. So let's see how it all works out. Yeah, and I think I brought this up to Chris Black when he joined us right after the NFL draft. Because I wasn't, like, I'm a fan of Cole Komet, don't get me wrong. The Bears needed help at tight end. But I don't think he should have been the guy at 43. Because Pace said, like, the Tuesday before the draft, he said, like, you got to take best player available. Because if you don't, you deviate from your board. And then you open yourself to more risk. So my question to you is taking, like, Cole Komet when guys like Ezra Cleveland, Grant Delpit, Antoine Winfield is Ryan Pace's draft strategy broken or flawed in some sort of way uh look he's made some sensational picks he's made some awful picks right now the Trubisky pick looks like a terrible pick maybe that narrative will change but as of today we can only grade that as a failed pick uh his pick of Kevin White unfortunately was short-circuited by injury but again it failed Leonard Floyd, that's not a guy you trade up from 11 to 9 for the productivity you got. Was he a decent football player? Yeah. He was a good football player, but he wasn't a star. When you're trading up from 11 to 9, you've got to be getting a star there. They didn't get a star. Now, Robert Quinn's in. Leonard Floyd's out. God bless him. That may turn out to be a master move. Uh, In terms of the draft, You know, some of the things I've read, some of the people I've talked to felt if the Bears didn't take Cole Komet at 43, he was never going to be there at number 50. Highest rated player at his position on the board. Other teams liked him and worked him out. So, look, if they liked Cole Komet enough to think this guy can be a really good tight end for us, he could play on the line, he could get out and make some plays in the passing game, then take him. They got a really good corner at 50. It worked out for them. They, I don't think they thought he was going to be there. He was, and they got him. So I have no problem with them taking Cole Komet. If he was a guy that they targeted and Matt Nagy said, I got to have that guy, then you go get who your coach wants. So we're going to move on to baseball, which when I always when I watch you, it's normally baseball. Um So Blake Snell made those comments six days ago saying that he wants his full paycheck from the Rays. What do you, what is your stance on players getting full paychecks? It's never going to happen. Never, ever going to happen. I'm going to be part of a 
call on Friday with MLB. I got invited to be a part of it just because I'm when you're old and you've been around a long time, you get invited to things because of relationships and somebody at MLB who I've befriended called and said, Hey, would you like one of these spots? They're going to limit it to X number of people. You've been around a long time. It's going to explain the finances going on in MLB right now. So if that's, you know, if, if what I hear there is accurate and it sounds like what they're saying now, then they're never going to get their full pay. And if Blake Snell thinks he sounds out of touch now, come out and say it again as more people lose their job as we try and live through a global pandemic. This is not, hey, man, there's this a flu virus going around and we'll be fine in three weeks. No, this is a global health crisis worldwide. We've had how many millions of people lose their job? I'm blessed. I get to go to work every day. Now, I took pay cuts, substantial pay cuts, but I did it with a smile on my face because I know how lucky I am that I get to go do my radio and TV shows. So no complaint from from me. If Blake Snell feels he's not going to get enough money to play, then don't play. Keep your mouth shut. And Tommy Glavin, I thought this morning, said it the best. He goes, back in 1994, during the strike, I did every radio and TV show I could to try and educate people on what we were fighting. He said, that was my mistake. That was me being naive. People don't want to hear it. They've all got their own problems in their own lives, and they want to make sure that when they come home at night, that their baseball team is playing. They want to have a beer, eat their dinner, and watch their game. And they they don't care about the billionaires and the millionaires. They don't care who's right, who's wrong. Just figure it the H out, period. And that's been my take. I, you know, I've heard Sylvie or other guys go, I'm a player's guy. I'm not, but I'm not an owner's guy either. I don't care who comes out on top. I don't care who wins this narrative just make sure my damn baseball games are being played if you can do it help with a healthy protocol if if it comes down to money and is the only reason they don't play the sport may never recover yeah and i think when you take a look at it today's what may 20th you have a window of two weeks to get this all figured out so i ask you do you think there's going to be baseball in some form this season? Yes. I'll be stunned if they don't play baseball. Stunned. Because I think, now look, if we all of a sudden see a spike in COVID-19 cases and Dr. Fauci or whoever comes out, Dr. Burks, and says, yeah, we've seen a spike and we cannot control this right now, no sports. Okay, well, that's different. But if, as they've said, we can make this work by social distancing and testing and everything else that goes into being smart about how we prevent the spread of this awful disease, if that all works out, but they can't figure out the money, shame on them. They will do irreparable harm to their sport, and they would deserve it. Yeah. So, Cap, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about this. 
when uh, Jordan went to go play baseball, there was talk of Scottie Pippen being traded to the Sonics. You were the Chicago media member that uh, broke that story and maybe changed Bulls franchise history forever. Yeah, I mean, if you guys want me to tell you that story, I'll be glad to. It's uh, probably one of the top three or four or five highlights of my long career. Uh, I was in Indianapolis. I had been a scout in the NBA for four seasons, two at Seattle, two at the Indiana Pacers. And I was also a consultant at one point for a trading card company that did draft pick trading cards. As players' eligibility was done, we would pay them not a ton of money, 5000 bucks. but, you know, this is March. They get eliminated from the NCAA tournament. They're not getting drafted till June. Five grand in their pocket was a back in the early 90s, late 80s. That was big money for them. And we gave the number one pick. I remember it was Derek Coleman one year. And we gave them 10000 as a, the payment for being the number one pick. Anyway, I, I get invited by an agent who I had signed a couple of his players. And he says, hey, why don't you grab a cameraman and come down here, 1994, to Indianapolis. The draft is here. And I've got Jalen Rose, Jawan Howard, and the number one pick, Big Dog Glenn Robinson. I'll let you have an exclusive. You can interview all three guys. So I interview each one, one after the other. And I'm in their hotel suite. It's the day of the draft. It's like 10, 11 in the morning. I leave. We're going to drive back to Chicago with my cameraman, Jeff Corbett, who's still my cameraman today. And Jeff Corbett and I get on the elevator to leave because back then there was no way to feed the interview back. You had to drive the interview back or FedEx it back. So we didn't have a satellite truck. So we we get back in the car. We drive back to Chicago. Well, as we're leaving the hotel, I'm coming down the elevator. This guy's in the elevator. And you know how you can feel someone staring at you? So this guy's staring at me. And I look at him finally. I go, can I help you? He's like, are you Cap? I said, yep. He said, hey, man, I work for James Bryant and Tony Dutt. They're two agents based in Oklahoma City. And I had done deals with those guys. And I said, oh, yeah? Tell those guys I said, hi, there's two of my my favorites. He said, well, we're actually going to be seeing a lot more of you. I said, what does that mean? He said, um, our number one client is Sean Kemp, and he just got traded to the Chicago Bulls five minutes ago. Excuse me? What do you mean? He said, they just traded Sean Kemp to the Bulls. I said, and who did we give up? Scotty Pippen. Get the H out of here. No chance. He said, I'm not kidding you. I'm driving to Chicago right now. It's three hours. I got to get there. I got to meet Sean's plane. He's got to take a physical and pass it before the draft starts tonight. And then we're going to make the deal. Oh, my God. Well, I can't go on the air and break a story off some lunatic in an elevator who I'd never met before. So I call his bosses. They don't know I got the info from their employee. I just said, I got tipped. Is this true? I don't know where you got it, Cap, but yes, it's true. Deal's done. He just has to pass the physical. Wow. I break the story on AM1000 WMVP, where I used to work before I went to WGN. It was not ESPN1000 yet. And all hell breaks loose. Now I get a call from W. 
I want to say it was like WJR, something like that. It was the Sonics flagship station. Hey, man, can you come on a radio show with us? Yes. I report the story. As soon as I get off the air, hundreds of people are calling the Sonics and canceling their season tickets. They can't believe that they're getting rid of the Rain Man. Now, what they didn't know was they had a guy who had allegedly a drug problem. He did some things off the court that did not put the organization in the most flattering light, and they wanted him out. And they wanted Scotty because they thought Scotty would be a more multidimensional player. So they were getting a Hall of Famer for Ricky Pierce, the 11th pick, and Sean Kemp. Well, the owner, a guy named Barry Ackerley, tells George Carl, I'm not signing off on the trade. Trade's off. I don't want Pippen. I want to keep Sean Kemp. And George Carl is furious. He's like, do you have any idea how good a trade we just made? Calls Jerry Krause and Krause says, all right, I'll give you a million dollars on top of it. Nope, can't do it. I'll give you two million. Nope, can't do it. I'll give you three million dollars to make the trade. Jerry, I don't care what you offer me. My owner won't sign off on it. The deal is off. Up to five minutes before the draft that night, Jerry Krause is begging them to make the trade. And they say, can't do it. Sorry. And Scottie Pippen stays a Chicago Bull. Michael Jordan comes back. And I asked Mark Vansel, who you saw in the documentary, who's one of Michael's best friends, would Michael have come back to the Bulls if Scottie had been traded? And the, his opinion was no. So there you go. That's going to be the name of my book. You're welcome, Chicago. <laughs> Cap, thank you so much for doing this with us. Uh, come back whenever you like. You're always welcome You guys here. got my number? Text me, Nick, take it. DM me, whatever you want. Whenever you guys want me, I'm in. I love talking sports. I'm, people who listen to me on the radio don't understand. I'm the same guy on the air that I am off the air. I love dealing with people. I like talking sports. You got my contact info. It's on you. So whenever you want me, just let me know. All right. Thanks, Cap. We appreciate it. Thank you. That is David Kaplan of ESPN 1000 and NBC Sports Chicago. You can find him on all social media platforms at the Capman. Thank you for listening to the Weekly Sports Talk podcast. For Josh Pose, I am Nick Palazzolo. Thank you and have a great day. Oh, you know, man. Oh, you know, man. Oh, you know, man.